0: This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com, this is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific time on 910 AM, more stimulating talk, San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Rob Black, 910 AM, more stimulating talk.
1: Cool by Heidi. Last break, I was talking a little. Hunter S. Thompson, great prolific American writer, and he asked the question: Are we human, or are we dancers? He was kind of saying we're just a a nation of dancy, fluffy people. Now, again, this is back in the '60s and '70s, and he was a little bit different. I mean, it doesn't age that well, right? Today, it's are you dancers? It's you know, so you think you could dance? Oh no, 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 no. You know, dancing back then, you know, a little flower child. Think, you know, a hippie, uh, you know, high and dancing around and all happy. So is that human? So, Or are we just fluffy, immaterial people? 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I'm going to be talking employment numbers this break because they came out, market fell apart, and kind of market went sideways. Very strange reaction. Let's go to David in Oakland. David. Hi, Robert. How are you? Good, David.
0: Good. I wanted a second opinion on Jacobs Engineering. Take a symbol, J-E-C.
1: Do you own it? No, I don't. Okay. To me, they've got an awful outlook for 2010. They've been very, very pessimistic. I don't see a catalyst there, David, so I'd probably sit on the sidelines. Uh, Jacobson... It's a
0: cynical stock in a sense, but it has a pretty nice balance sheet.
1: Yeah, but like I said, they got no catalyst. So if you want to buy it, do it. I'd prefer you go for a telco stock and get a big fat dividend while you wait for the catalyst. Um, I'm not going to talk you out of it. You like the balance sheet, all the power to you. I think the stock should hold 30 in a worst case scenario. That looks to be a bottom on the stock, but I don't see a catalyst. And thanks for the call. Jacobs Engineering, ticker symbol JEC. They climb the ladder of success. They keep it professional. They provide professional, technical construction services for the industrial, commercial, and government sectors. They build things. They design, they engineer, they construct, they operate, they maintain, they consult. Government contracts for aerospace and defense are a big part of what they do. Now, they're in North America, they're in Europe, they're in Asia, they're in Australia. you need to build things, you can hire something like Jacobs Engineering. Taking a look at their revenues in the last couple of years, $7 billion to $8.4 billion to $11.2 billion. That's pretty good. Profit margins, operating margins, excuse me, I should sometimes correct the difference because there's gross profit margin, there's operating margins, there's, there's different types of margins, but the operating margin is about 5.9%, which is important because it's not wildly profitable on the revenues that they pull in. When you exclude everything, total operations, their net profit margins are just 3.7%. It's a tough business to make money in. When you build things, it's, it's very labor intensive and very capital equipment intensive, so it ain't cheap. Now, their business model focuses on preferred relationships and discrete projects versus transactional projects. Now, I would probably look at a different engineering company whose outlook is a little bit better for 2010. Um, I would say maybe modest performer, but I'm not wildly, I'm not jumping up and down on this one. Uh, You could look at floor, ticker symbol FLR. You could look at URS. I think that's maybe a better opportunity Ticker symbol some PWR if you're looking for other players in the industry that, that might be, you know, performers for you. Now, let's talk about these earnings, not these earnings numbers, but these employment numbers. Next segment, I'm going to be talking with a guest, uh, particularly Dan Finnegan, CEO of JobVite, about these job numbers. Uh, we were all surprised. Yesterday, I was being interviewed during the 4 o'clock news, and Heather Donald said, Rob, what do you think the employment numbers are going to look like tomorrow? I said, probably a little bit worse. And what they came out was, Probably a little bit better. But let me give you the details on this, because if you're watching the Crown 4 News, you'll hear, jobless numbers surprised to the upside today. Okay. But that's not the whole story. There's a little bit more. So, we had uh, 52,000 people were increased in the temporary worker force. You saw it pick up in the average work week from 33 hours to 33.2 you saw a jump in manufacturing work week from 40.1 hours to 40.4 hours. That's pretty good. When you start getting into overtime, companies start going, "You know what? I can't beat that person anymore. I can't afford to pay them overtime wages. so I'm going to hire another person." Now the main headlines, they're captivating. They're good, right? Non-farm payrolls were down 11,000. We thought we were going to lose 125,000 jobs. We only lost 11,000. That's not bad but they were revised noticeably higher for the month of October. We thought we were going to we lost 111,000 but we actually ended up losing 190,000. So, we went back in time and said October was actually worse than we thought. And September was actually worse than we thought from negative 139,000 to negative 219,000. So, okay, so it looks like we beat numbers on the downside by what 110,000, but when you look at September's revision, you see that's another 80 that we lost. And you see October, another 80, so that's 160. So these numbers are actually a lot worse than they look. Unemployment rate dipped from 10.2% down to 10%, although the civilian labor force was down 98,000 in October. That doesn't make sense, right? So somehow unemployment dropped, and yet we lost another 98,000 jobs. So the real, quote-unquote quote, quote, real, unemployment rate includes discouraged workers and individuals working part-time. That fell from about 15.5%, to, I'm to, sorry, 17.5%, to 17.2%. So that's, that's one in five Americans almost wish they were working more or working at all. So things are moving in a better direction, but, you know, the bigger point remains that roughly one in six people in the civilian labor force is unemployed or underemployed. One in six, that's an awful freaking number. Finding new jobs, it's not easy. One in six people, they want work. The duration of being unemployed now is 28 and a half weeks. Do the math on that. That's seven months of being unemployed. Seven months of no cash flow coming in, except for unemployment benefits. Turns out 38% of workers officially counted as unemployed have been out of work 27 weeks or longer. That's just a crap number. So not only are we unemployed, but we're not finding work. So you got a job right now, go kiss your boss. Be nice to your boss day. So the labor market sent investors flocking worldwide. You know, woo, the unemployment numbers look good. So people jumped on it, and then it fell apart because we started looking at the data. Now, if these numbers are moving in the right direction, we're adding jobs, who would that benefit? It would benefit websites like Monster Worldwide, ticker symbol MWW. It would benefit companies like Robert Half, it was a staffing agency. ticker symbol RHI. It would employment service company. Manpower ticker symbol M A N M A N. So Robert Half RHI. Manpower M A N and Monster Worldwide M W W. So why do I throw this out there? Because in investing, you can if you think jobs are coming. Oh, I love President Obama. He's going to create so many jobs. We're going to go back to four percent unemployment. I got. I love him. If you think we're going back to four to six percent unemployment soon you got to invest in those stocks. Otherwise, you're just saying, I'm so smart and I'm not willing to do anything about it. It's almost like you have to put your money where your mouth is. Almost. Okay, now, I saw a headline out there today, and this is worthy of note. This is worthy of note. Sometimes headline news means something to me. Pandemic flu is declining in North America, so says the World Health Organization, also known as the WHO. No, not the who of the rock band who did the rock opera, Tommy, uh-uh, uh-uh. The who the World Health Organization. So Biochrist is no longer a sexy play. Cynovac Biotech, no longer a sexy play. Novavax, no longer a sexy play. So if the pandemic swine flow is declining, i.e. if we're beating it or if Fewer people are dying from it or if it's no longer being spread. Now, keep in mind, flus tend not have a kind of a heartbeat to them where they they expand and they come back and they expand and they come back and they expand and they come back. So we're not out of the woods yet on this whole swine flu. Whee, whee, whee. But I would say be careful with the stocks that are swine flu stocks. To get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, if you want to jump on the live blog nine ten Talk910.com Talk910.com You're listening to 910 AM Coming up I'm going to speak with Dan Finnegan Good old Irish name CEO of JobVite We're going to talk about these jobs and numbers Later in the show Dan Rusinowski from San Jose Sharks And I got some a Tupperware party coming Woo! Let's have a Tupperware party On the Rob Black Radio Show 910 AM more stimulating talk show talking all things financial. We've already hit the Rolling Stone restaurant idea. We've hit Comcast what the analysts tend to think of it. We hit the employment numbers, which is I think is important because Wall Street seems to be moving on a couple assumptions these days. How's the dollar doing? When the dollar is weak, the market seems to go higher. When China is strong, the market seems to go higher. When China is weak, the market seems to get a little bit weaker. When the dollar is strong, the market seems to get a little bit weaker. But more important for next year, when it comes to investing, we have to look at these employment numbers because we're a nation of consumers, and if one in six of us aren't working or if one in six of us aren't getting what we want from our paycheck, it's problematic to say the least. Let's bring in Dan Finnegan, CEO of JobVite. You can find him online at JobVite.com, kind of like invite, but with the word job, JobVite.com. Dan, how are you?
0: Good. How are you this morning?
1: I'm well. Now, you talked about, or we talked about the employment numbers. A little bit of a headline surprise that we went unemployment 10.2 down to
0: 10.0%. Yeah, actually, I was surprised. Um <laughs> You look at the the number of jobs lost every month over the last year, and, you know, there was a kind of steady loss of 50,000 a month last summer, and then, of course, the September-October financial crisis. And as expected at that time, it it just took off um, and reached a peak of 600,000 jobs being lost um, in a month around February, March, April, like 651,000. And then uh, we've trickled down slowly, as uh, many of us had thought would happen over the year, to in October, 190,000 lost. And then all of a sudden today, we learned that in November it was 11,000, from 190,000 in October to 11,000 jobs lost. That's a dramatic drop in the number of jobs lost.
1: But when we look at the two months previous to it, we saw strong revisions to more job losses. September was revised from 139 uh, to 219, and October from 111 to 190, it's, it seems contradict, it's, I don't know, I don't know if I trust the the labor, not the labor unions, but Department of Labor in the United States government, because their sampling seems to be skewed sometimes to release good news.
0: Well, clearly there is a pattern of the best news comes out, and then it's revised uh, a little worse a little bit later, to your point. Right. But even if this is revised upward by a similar kind of factor, uh, the fact remains, um, you know, they do uh, significant size surveys when they, when they do these numbers, and it's just a dramatic pause in the number of jobs lost. Um, and, you know, I find that even more interesting because it's typically October, November, December when companies reduce their uh, positions. In a downturn, because they're preparing for next year's budget. If they're going to lay people off, the sad truth is in the United States, it's often around the holidays because they're preparing their budgets for uh, the following new year.
1: Now, my contract is over in radio at the end of this month, and my contract in television is over at the end of this month. Can Job Fight get me another media job?
0: Well, what we do is we—it can. Um, we provide software. Um, on the Internet, um, what's called software as a service, to companies to manage their entire hiring process. Okay. And companies pick us because it enables um, any employee in the company to help find uh, a candidate for an open position through their social networks and through their contacts. Uh, in short, um, another media company, if it had an opening in your field, could instantly match their job openings to people um, that that company knows, and you might be and probably are connected to lots of people on your own social networks in the media industry. So, yes, we can, um, it's possible that a, uh, that a customer of Jobvite could use our tools that would target you and what we say, Jobvite you. In the past, as you probably know, you might get a phone call from a recruiter in the media industry and say, hey, there's a, there's a new opportunity that's popped up Um, on the East Coast at a radio station or a TV station, and you'd say, hmm, send me more information. Now you can get a job bite from someone you know on LinkedIn or Facebook and say, hey, I just uh, heard about this job and it picked you out of my network. You might be interested. And you could then easily respond right from that email or right from that Facebook notification or right from that LinkedIn message and say, you know, send me more info.
1: What trends are you seeing right now in the hiring process? Are we starting to, to peter out as far as unemployment goes? Should we start moving in the right direction? Does it look like 2010 is a wash? Um, do you have any trends that you're, you're noticing? And if you're on speaker, if you could pick up, that would be helpful.
0: Um, that's a great question. Um, what we are seeing clearly is that the, the layoffs, have really trickled down and essentially stopped. Not stopped, but have um, dramatically slowed. But that does not mean that hiring is taking off. This economy hires lots of people every month because companies are always churning employees. So to answer your question, what I'm seeing is that companies are replacing people who leave, but they're not adding new positions, net-net, to their payroll. So I believe that U.S. industry right now has a wait-and-see with regard to this economy. I've cut down to the bone, so if someone leaves, I've got to replace them, but I'm not going to add a new position, or at least not yet.
1: Now, one last comment for you, or one last question for you is – the job, Vite, and I understand what you're doing, and you're you're tapping into social networks. But networking is a lot of skill, a lot of work. I'm not very good at it per se because I'm kind of a a lone wolf. What advice would you give for the lone wolves out there who who don't really want to network, but yet we want jobs in the future?
0: Well, I think um, my advice to the lone wolves is that they they got to stop being alone. <laughs> um, the fact I, is, I thought you're going to say that uh, companies are are looking for much more cost-effective ways to find people, it's opposed to just advertise them on uh, in the old newspapers or in job boards. They're looking to target people on the Internet, just like online advertisers target people on the Internet. And uh, they first want to do it through people they know, because referral hires are um, the best hire a company can make, by far, and it's historically been about 25% of all hires in the United States are referrals, and U.S. industry wants that to grow because they're less expensive and the best hires they can make. So my advice to the lone wolf is that um, you need to be found if you if you want the best opportunity to find you. Meaning, if you're not on social networks. You have to join, and you, st- you have to start meeting people online and connecting to them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And you've got to put information in your profile that you would, when found, be happy that they see. Um, uh, inf- information about your career and your profession and your interests that are both honest and as well as um, uh, the, the, uh, communicate what kinds of things you're interested in and what you want to do. And because the fact is people need to recognize in almost all positions, not just for young folk and not just for more senior folk, but everything in between, companies are searching online to find people, to learn more about people. And finally, I'd say to the lone wolf is it's a two-way street. Don't go to a company unless you've also researched them online. And you not, don't just go to their website but find out what people are saying about them on Twitter um, and find out what they're talking about on Twitter. And you'll have a much better um, uh, sense of what the company is like and possibly a job you're interested in is like.
1: Thanks for the call. It's Dan Finnegan. You can find him at jobvite.com, jobvite.com. He's the CEO. And again, uh, I guess the lesson keeps pounding. If you want a job, you're going to have to social network. You're going to have to get out there the day and age of you sending in a resume to an employer it's over it's over welcome to the 21st century it's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air it's 800-345-5639 it's rob black show nine ten a.m more stimulating talk
0: ahead at noon glenn beck now rob black nine ten a.m more stimulating talk
2: To let me know Should I stay or should I go If you say that you are mine I'll be
1: it's Rob here Black, the I'm Rob Black. Next hour I'm going to have Dan so Rusynowski from San Jose talk, Sharks The voice of the sharks, I mean, this guy has a crazy cool voice I'd kill for his voice Instead I got this squirrely voice thing going on Hey, the United States, USA, USA we got our World Cup draw today, and I'm going to tell you, it's our best World Cup draw in a while. We should be able to get to the second round. The United States is going to play England in World Cup soccer next year, and England's going to be tough. I think it's a manageable game, but it's tough. Slovenia and Algeria. <laughs> the Slovenia and Algeria. Boy, does that help. That helps. You, ne- you never want a group of death. You never want a group of death. And taking a look at the draws, there's really no mat. There's no killer group. Um... No, Brazil, yeah, it seems like everyone got divided pretty good. Uh, two good teams in every division and two bad teams in every division. Or not too bad, but too, too highly ranked and then too lowly ranked. Looks like Italy gets the best draw. They get Paraguay, New Zealand, and Slovakia. Where did Mexico fall? So I'm sure there's some Mexican fans listening right now. Um, ooh, they get South Africa. That's not good. And France. That's probably the toughest draw, as well as Uruguay. That's going to be a tough draw for them. Anyway, um, World Cup soccer. It's weird. It's one of the sports that I truly love and relish and totally believe in and get caught up in. I could watch, I don't really, oh, it's going to be awful of me. MLS, it doesn't really do it for me. It's good, but it doesn't get me juiced. World Cup soccer gets me juiced. I can watch Spain play Switzerland and be on the edge of my seat. For some reason, when you hide behind your nation, it's a lot like, uh, it's a lot like an uh, uh, Olympics uh, hockey, you know, it's a lot like Olympic hockey. And, you know, I was explaining to my spouse that Olympic hockey is brutal because we love in the San Jose era. We love Jody Shelley. Well, no, no, we don't love Jody Shelley. Uh, we love Patrick Marlowe. We love Joe Thornton. We love Danny Heatley, but they're all Canadian. So in come time for the Olympics, they're gonna be playing for the Canadian team. It's kind of tough to pull for them. You love them when they're on your team, but when they're on another nation, it's a little bit tougher. Anyway, I'm kind of digressing. I saw an application that I think was pretty funny. Some of the applications that are coming out for the iPhone are a bit on the ridiculous side. I'm going to be quite honest with you, a bit on the ridiculous side. There's a Mario application now where you hit it and it plays music from Mario Brothers. And as you walk around, it plays the sounds that... Play on the Nintendo and Mario walks. If you jump, it makes a jumping sound. It's a pretty funny application, right? I guess it makes you happy. Did you know? Did you know that you can't be unhappy when you're skipping? Like, if you're really depressed and you're really bummed out, skip. It's impossible to be bummed out while you're skipping. Some doctors actually prescribe skipping for those who are terminally depressed. There's a Mario application. I think that's all well and good and kind of interesting. Let's talk a little bit about Tupperware. I've been teasing this Tupperware party for a while now, and it's time I get off the, the pot, so to speak, and, and talk about it. Ticker symbol on Tupperware is TUP. I bring this up in large part because what I do, I show you the, uh, different ways to invest. I try to make it human, I try to make it entertaining, I try to make it insightful. I tried to make it educational. I'd refer to it as infotainment. And I love investing. It's, it's something that I truly love in my life. There's nothing better than hitting buy. There's nothing better than hitting sell on, a, on a, a mouse. So Chief Executive Rich Goings, he wants to make it very, very clear that Tupperware of old was a business centered on suburban American Tupperware parties. But Tupperware's focus has changed. The June Cleaver party has been over for about seven, eight, nine years Do you know what Tupperware is doing now? The new one's going like crazy. Let me give you an idea. $1.7 billion in sales, $1.9 billion in 2007, and then $2.1 billion in 2008. Can I make this up? Yeah, I'm talking about investing in Tupperware. The party now is all about busy working women who don't have time to cook. They like to entertain and assemble things. The product mix has changed. Plastic containers are still at the core. But Tupperware products now include everything from kitchen gadgets to educational toys. The biggest market for Tupperware is where? Give you a second. Raise your hand. Unless you have erectile dysfunction in your hand and can't get it up. Where do you think the biggest market is? It's Mexico. 650,000 mostly women sales reps sell Tupperware and beauty products to other women. That's a lot of women who might not have been employed otherwise. Now, the first lady of Mexico, there is actually a first lady of Mexico. She's a U.S. ambassador to Mexico. It's kind of, Tupperware is a huge employer of women. Now, again, I know a lot of the fairer sex listens to this show, and I love you. You got to applaud the company. Now, why don't you put your investment dollars where you believe? Heidi's a woman. She's a producer of this show. She's a top-notch, high-caliber person. Should she, as a woman, support other women by going after a company that hires women and invest in them? Let's say she's got two choices. She could invest in Activision Blizzard, which makes video games for young boys and old boys like myself, or she could invest in Tupperware. I would hope that she would at least just stop and think, that company matches up with my my beliefs. You know, does this company hire gays and lesbians? Does this company hire women? Does this company promote women? Does this company sell, you know, products that kill people? Tupperware is pretty environmentally friendly. We use it, we use it, we use it, we use it, we use it. We wash and reuse, wash and reuse, wash and reuse. That's the idea, right? Now, the company makes and sells household products and beauty items. Tupperware parties became synonymous with American suburban life in the 1950s. What happened in the 1950s? Let's stop and think about this for uno momento. Or uno momentero. I know you're saying, this is the world's most interesting man. He can say one moment in multiple languages. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm inane. Okay, in the 1950s, what was happening in the United States was we were coming out of World War II. And in World War II, we, built, we had factories. We built kick-butt tanks. We built kick-butt parachutes. We built kick-butt weapons. We built boats. We built a lot of things. When a nation goes to war, it's, you have to, to supply. So in the 1950s, what we started happening is we started becoming consumers. So not only during the 1940s, we say, ladies and gentlemen, come from the farm and help America manufacture goods for the war. So we brought people from the suburbans, the burbs, and we put them in big cities and they had jobs and made bit stuff. So once the war ended, we had all these factories and we didn't know what the hell to do. We had all these factories and people, you know, so we said, let's come up with an electric dishwasher come up with a microwave. Let's come up with bigger refrigerators. So we started inventing stuff. We started making up stuff to consume and we started manufacturing that. So that's when a company like a Tupperware, you know, slid in and said, Hey, if you're going to be washing dishes, you know, why not use this stuff? Now, again, they make all sorts of goodies. They make Armand Dupree, they make Avroy, they make Schlein. they make Beauty Control, they make Fuller, they make Nature Care, they make NutriBatics, they make Nuvo, they make Swiss Guard, and of course, Tupperware. And they also make fragrances, which I'm not totally crazy about. I don't like the idea of wearing Tupperware perfume. Ooh, Mavericks could be on Tuesday. Half Moon Bay. For the ladies and gentlemen out there, surfers, And Wednesday it's supposed to be on. Monday we're supposed to get a pretty good storm. Tuesday not so much storm. Wednesday we're going to get a dumper. So anyway, I bring up Tupperware in large part because I can talk about anything. And I want you to be able to see that there's investments to be had out there. Now, If their biggest market is Mexico, what's that tell you? Have you been to Mexico? Have you been to Mexico that's not part of the coastal Mexico? That's not part of the tourist Mexico? It is a poor country. It is a country with a lot of poverty. It is a country where their roads aren't as nice as our roads. Their their home and TVs aren't as nice as our homes and TVs. Again, I'm being pretty generic there, and I I think I'm making a blanket statement, which will probably offend some people from Mexico. I'm sorry. But the point being is Tupperware. India, China. Do you think Tupperware is going to be, when we're creating this middle class in India, when they're working at the call centers, when they go from Bangalore to New Delhi, (laughs) when they uh, slumdog millionaire, when, when the guys get the jobs and they're no longer the beggars in the street ripping people off. What do they do? They go home. They have a cigarette. They go home. They, they go on vacation. They eat Doritos, which is a product of Pepsi. They drink Pepsi or Coke. <laughs> That's offensive even to me. I'm thinking about opening up an eye store in Mexico. I'm going to call it for like an optometrist. I'm going to call it I I'm just trying to kill time. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. So, you know, the investment theme right now is that America's in a recession. You know, we had this golden age of consumerism in the 1990s. I mean, it, we, we consumed. We consumed more than we should have. Our homes went up in value, so we took money out of it, and we went to Hawaii. We went to Mexico. We bought a place in Tahoe. We consumed. We went crazy in the 90s and early 2000s, crazy with our spending. We're kind of tired. We're kind of hungover. You know, those nights where you do a lot of binge drinking, or maybe that's just me. There's nights where you do a lot of binge drinking. The next day, it's not so easy, right? So we got that kind of consumer hangover going right now, but not so much in Brazil, not so much in Russia, in India, in China, in Mexico, where there's growing middle class. And again, part of this theme is, uh, part of this theme is we're creating a middle class, which creates consumers. And if you invest in the middle class, you do very, very, very well. Just a thought. And Tupperware's a play. Am I telling you it's appropriate for you? No. I ain't that ignorant. I'm pretty ignorant, but I ain't that ignorant. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's bring in um, a quick conversation about Sun Microsystems. You know Sun Microsystems is being acquired by Oracle, right? Now, they're getting some kind of headwind out of Europe, where Europe's going, oh, we, don't, we think you're too powerful of a company. There's no other database company that can compete with you. Now, Larry Ellison, he who looks like the bad guy from Die Hard, he who's got the beard that looks like a Kit Kat could lick it off with a little bit of milk on it, he's got that, that cheesy beard, right? Um, he has to make some concessions if, if he's going to get this approval. He said he's not willing to do it, but he's going to have to. Larry Ellison wants on microsystems. Tech is consolidating. I don't know if you figured that out yet, but we only need five major tech companies because ultimately they're going to be an IT service company. They're gonna be a hardware company. They're gonna be a software company. They're gonna be a networking equipment company. and They're going to come in and get your contract and put it all under one bill. We want that. Our nation thrives on that kind of stuff. So Sun Microsystems is trying to be acquired by Oracle. Now, uh, Ellison's willing to create a separate entity to, com- to make Europe happy, the European Union. You're listening to nine ten a.m., Oakland, San Francisco. More stimulating talk. So Larry Ellison's willing to create an separate entity where he houses Sun Microsystems' MySQL software, MySQL, which kind of is a competitor database company with Oracle. Now, the quote, the only reason he would blink is it's the only way he's going to get the deal done. What details of what shape of separation might take are not yet clear. Spinning off MY MySQL into a public company. Ellison's proposing the creation of a firewall between MySQL and the rest of the combined company and possibly setting up an entirely separate board. Such a move could ease the Europeans' worry and ultimately get Oracle to get this deal done and closed. Uh, I would be careful. I like Larry Ellison and I like Oracle. I think this acquisition of Sun's a big one. It's kind of like when you acquire a company. Sometimes you have to integrate cultures. Sometimes you have to integrate locations. So mergers and acquisitions sometimes don't work. There was a famous one way, way, way back in the early '80s. uh, Bay Networks, East Coast company, bought a West Coast company, Madge Networks, and it was just a disaster. The two corporate cultures, one of them liked to surf and one of them liked to do business in New York, and they just didn't see eye to eye. So mergers and acquisitions come with risks. So short term, I'm calling Oracle, maybe an accumulate. Long term, I think it's trade. I've got my opinions and I'm sticking to them. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. In about 15 minutes, I'm going to be speaking with Dan Rusinowski of the San Jose Sharks. I could really use a phone call in here, and not from one of the 18 Davids that called the show. Speaking of the 18 Davids, I want to write a book one day called The Three-Fisted Tales of Rob. I don't know what it means. I just know that I'm meant and and destined to write it. Did y'all know I'm a published author? I've published books of fiction. I've published books of investing. So one day I'm going to write The Three-Fisted Tales of Bob. And I'm Bob. Telecom stocks. Where should you put your money today? Oftentimes I'm opinionated. Oftentimes I'm lax in my opinion. Got of pull back. Telecom is one of the worst sectors of the year this year. It's underperformed the S&P 500. Some teleco, telco stocks are actually down for the year. Because in growth markets, they're not the right thing to do. We went in a recession. Telco stocks heavily need jobs. We need to create jobs for telco stocks to be right. Now, they have big, fat dividends. In fact, in the S&P 500, Frontier Communications, Windstream, Quest Communications, CenturyTel, AT&T, and Verizon have six of the biggest dividends. High yields of the smaller players reflect risk in the names, though. So if you wanted to own an AT&T or a Verizon right now, 5 and 5, 59 or 6% dividend yield, I, I have no problem with that. I don't know what 2010 is going to look like. I think some of the losers from 2009 will be some of the better performers. And maybe not better, maybe sideways. Remember, sideways is not down. And sometimes that's considered a win. 800 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Lee in Sonoma.
2: Hi, Rob. Love your show. Hi, Lee. And I wanted to ask about a company, Baidu, which I do have the stock. But I'm wondering with international stocks, when to buy, when to hold, because, you know, the same news there isn't the same news here in terms of the effect on it, you know, with the econ- different economies and so forth.
1: How have you done in Baidu? Pardon me? How have you done in the stock Baidu?
2: Uh, very well. Okay. I mean, I sat when it tanked all the way down and sat with it while it's recovered. So it's it's had a, a good run. But with the international stocks, you know, you're never sure when to buy, when to sell. You know, how long do you hold them? <laughs>
1: Well, ultimately, what you're telling me, Lee. And by the way, I love women with boys' names. I always find that interesting. Lee and Sam's—I always think that's—I don't know why, but I think that's unique. Um, well,
2: that's why I listen to your show because you're you like the Howard Stern of the stock market.
1: <laughs> I want to go that far. <laughs> Although that's a good uh, cut line. Yeah, we may, we may actually have to put you, you in a it
2: up a little bit there at the station.
1: Oh, good God. I think radio got so dull and tired. It's, it's
2: dull as a doornail, And but I have to thank you because, see, I was asleep on Apple. I had it. It tanked. Sat with it. Listening to your show back in the summer, and you were talking about Apple and how it ran back from 90 to, I think at that point, it was like 145 or fifty-five. Right. And I, the light, when on. ran over to my Schwab account and ordered up some Apple, three weeks later, got some more, and it's fun. Yeah. So, watching it.
1: I'm, I'm, but
2: again, we never you, know.
1: Are you a housewife, Lee? Uh,
2: no, I work at, uh, in, in the resort industry. Okay. So, yeah, I and I work afternoon, so I like to be on the stock market and being in California. We get to pretty much watch the whole market before we go to work.
1: <laughs> uh, that's, that's why I was asking if you're a housewife, because watching the market means you got time on your hands, but working in the... I, uh...
2: I need, yeah, well, if the way the recession's going, I'll have lots of time on my hands for the next few years since...
1: What resort do you work at, may I ask?
2: I work um, for the Marriott Resort.
1: Okay. So if you ever want to set me up, feel free. What's that? Set me up is get me into a resort.
2: Okay. <laughs> hey, it, it, let me say it this. way: You can get into any resort right now because they're all hurting. You can wheel and deal. You don't accept anything online. Just call the, call the front desk. Okay. The weekend you want to go.
1: Okay. That's, that's yes. good advice. Hospitality
2: is um, really hurting. Very, very much so. And as you've mentioned... The the unemployment is not addressing the uh, many, many industries where people are in a slowdown living on their savings for a year, maybe yeah. two or three, you know, until it comes back around, if ever.
1: So back to you. Yeah, and back
2: to my lovely Baidu.
1: Um, what I would do is I would refine your investment approach a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And when you bought Baidu, you probably liked the fact that Baidu, it doesn't mean Google in Chinese, but pretty close.
2: Right. And it that's me- pretty much what I went with.
1: It's um, Chinese language internet search. Uh, billions and billions of searches is the idea. Seventy percent of the local search market. So what Google is in the United States, Baidu is in China. Right. So that's, and that's
2: why I bought it because I only have Google, Apple, and Baidu. Those are my three little stocks. That's all I can afford right now.
1: Well, that, I think that's a nice little move. And with your resort, with Marriott, are you taking advantage of the 401k? And we
2: don't have that because we're contract employees. You know, Most of us are contract so unless you're on the clock, you know, as, as a person okay. you know, in the office or so forth, then you're, um, those are the only people that have benefits and the rest of us are all just contract or hourly.
1: So when you bought Baidu, you probably liked the fact that it's kind of like the Google. You probably yes. liked that it's China. You probably liked that it's internet search, which has good profit margins. Mm-hmm. There was things that you liked in the last three years, it's gone from a hundred million to 238 million to 466 million in sales. Um, that's pretty good. Now, you know, and as well as I do, there's fear in China, because
2: mm-hmm, exactly.
1: if the Chinese government rolls out a tank and runs over someone, you're screwed.
2: Right, and that's those are those are the little things that are tweaky. It's just like here. You wake up, you hear some economic data, and the market tanks, or it does whatever it does, or a stock goes to hell and back, all in one, you know, all in an hour. <laughs>
1: that's cute that she said tweaky. It reminds me of Buck Rogers from the 1980s, <laughs> that little robot that went, beady, 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 beady. What's up, Buck. Um, okay. So total operations, um, income 38 to 86 to 150 million. So far, there's nothing that you don't like. I mean, there's nothing that I can find that, that slows me down on the company. Let's take a look at the valuation. Holy mackerel. This one's beautiful. This is like,
2: I've had a good run this past year, but you know, you wonder, am I getting greedy? Am I, should I stay in or should I, you know, fold?
1: Yeah, I, I hear you. And in the last year, it's gone. It's like
2: Apple, it's the same thing. You 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 go, you know, it's just running up too fast, and people like to take a rest. I don't know what they do in China. Do they take rests in the stock market? Do they just hold until they die? You know.
1: Yeah, it's um, gone in the last two years from three fifty to seventy five to mm-hmm. four hundred. It's it's a V. It's the craziest thing that you'll see on a chart. Let's take a quick look at a valuation. I,
2: I, I bought it at two ninety nine, which was a couple years ago. I bought it. You know, it was when the, it was at a higher time. But,
1: I see. I see most people having about a four hundred fifty four hundred and sixty dollars price target yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. So, if nothing else, I'd consider lightening up on the stock. Hopefully, keep an eye on it, and maybe it it, it falls, and you're able to scale back into mm-hmm. it. Um, it's starting to feel a little bit stretched in the chart. And there's a lot of days where it's down ten, thirteen, fourteen percent in one day. So. Right.
2: Because I I have someone who lives with me who says, "Oh, you should sell it. Look at you know the the averages are all crossing. It's going down." I go, "Yeah, but that's nothing for that stock. It's a four hundred and fifty dollars stock. You know, it right. can drop twenty dollars in a day. It's like not the end of the world." And I I've watched that for two years. It goes up and down. You know, I've gone through many of those up and down days. But you know, just in terms of of it is a different government. It's it's very different in the United States.
1: Yeah. I would definitely lighten up on it because it's been a huge winner for you, mm-hmm. and there's no shame in, in paying some taxes and uh, creating a little bit of cash and hoping for another market opportunity. Right. I wouldn't sell it all. I think it's a nice long-term name, but I would definitely I, I
2: was that. wondering that. You know, it's the ones that you die with. That's what I'm – you know, I, I loved my Baidu, Google, and Apple, and I liked EWZ, but it just wasn't moving, you know, just – Not fast enough for me, anyway.
1: Thanks for the call, Lee. Let's jump over to Mitch in San Jose, and she's got someone living with her. Don't give away the milk for free, Lee. Let's go to Mitch in San Jose. Mitch?
0: Um, Yeah. Hey, Rob. Uh, I had a question. uh, I'm a firm believer in the Visa MasterCard angle that you've talked about a lot. Um, I see a lot of positives, but I'm just wondering, um, I've heard a little bit that the government might try to regulate the fees that they charge. I'm just wondering... um, Would that be kind of a one-time thing that would affect it, or would it really limit them for the long term?
1: God, and that's where you just want to say the words, I hate the government. Um, (laughs) So there's no doubt about it. There's more and more competition coming to electronic payment systems. I have not seen anything specific come out of Congress as far as uh, scrutinizing Visa and MasterCard. Next year is going to be a a slow economic year, but I like these names for the long term. I mean, everywhere I go, I use my Visa. I don't even think twice about, you know, cash anymore. Um, And thanks for the call. Um, Visa and MasterCard. Visa's a $100 stock, in my opinion. MasterCard should be a $300 stock. They're dominant brands, global networks, benefiting from growing consumer consumption, secular shift electronic payments, growth outside the United States, sustainable double-digit revenue growth. Uh, Both companies enjoy solid business models, strong market positions, robust debit, and international growth opportunities. Long term opportunities for Visa and MasterCard still out there because you got international debit card use, you got ATMs, you got point of sales uh, systems, superior market brand. There's nothing, and I'm telling you, there is nothing that I don't like. Now, yeah, short term holiday season spending may not be very good, but I'll buy more. I'm pretty sure these guys have a, a defensible franchise. I would be shocked if I'm wrong on that one. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Coming up, Dan Rusinowski, San Jose Sharks, Shelley, and Jacob. Who's Jacob? You're going to have to wait and listen because he's coming up.